Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, this is The One. I'm Greg Gutfeld. Very excited to talk to my next guest. He just published an amazing book called The Madness of Crowds, Gender, Race, and Identity. Um, I don't know, I just, uh, just go out and buy it. Trust me, you'll, uh, you won't stop reading it. Douglas Murray is an author, a journalist. He's based in Britain. He's contributed to The Spectator for almost 20 years. Uh, he's written regularly for The Times, Sunday Times, The Sun, uh, actually, that, that would be the London Times. The Wall Street Journal, Evening Standard, New Criterion. He's a regular contributor to National Review. He's been a columnist for Standpoint Magazine since its founding. He also wrote The Strange Death of Europe, Immigration, Identity, Islam. If you think I'm talking fast, it's because I want to get to the questions. Douglas, how are you? <laughs> very good. Very good to be with you, Greg. Sorry, I'm in a, I'm in a rush because I have like eight pages of questions for you. And oh, yeah. Let's uh, go. Yes. All right. First of all, you talk about this kind of like this – Social justice warrior, activism, intersectionality, using this concept called St. George in retirement. Yes. And I thought that was a good – can you explain what that means? Yes. It's it's uh, from a, a, an Australian writer called Ken Minogue who died a few years ago as a, mm-hmm. a philosopher. He came up with this brilliant term in I think the 70s, St. George in retirement syndrome. And if it was relevant then, my gosh, is it more relevant today. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's it identifies that type of person who – uh, having slain the dragon mm-hmm. or seen the dragon being slain decides to stagger around the, the land looking for other dragons and in the end uh, finds smaller and smaller animals to slay until eventually he may be found swinging his sword at thin air. Right. Now, this, to my mind, is what has happened to all of the social justice movements that I list in the book, chapter by chapter. Mm-hmm. It's happened gay, it's happened with women, it's happened with race, and it's happened with trans, Mm -hmm. that effectively people have become uh, addicted, a certain type of person, not everyone obviously, but a certain type of person has become addicted to the praise you get for slaying the dragon, Mm -hmm. and is trying to pass themselves off after the event, most of them never having even seen a dragon, uh, with all of the uh, the kudos you get Mm -hmm. from being St. George, and they're not, and they can't cope with the fact. And it's so interesting because what they're doing Doing in the terms of dragon slaying is now just canceling people based on tweets. And you right. go you go into this uh, a lot in a chapter on forgiveness, and we talk about it a lot on my show, which is that you know your history can destroy your career, and it and it's all about getting a scalp. And you, and you're seeing that especially amongst the, the this new social justice set, right? Pretty much. Yes, yes. And th- th- there's only one thing that can get them out of it, which is to warn them of the consequences, which is that absolutely everyone gets cancelled in the end. Um, I mean, I, I'm a lot of people, you know, say that the generation coming along now, you know, suffer from snowflakery and all this sort of thing. And I, I think we're a little hard on them in one respect, which is that the world they're growing up in is one in which your worst joke can always be before you and can destroy your life at any moment. Mm-hmm. And and you and I were fortunate enough to grow up, you know, before that came yeah. about. But if you are in that era, and what's more, where the norms are shifting all the time, so that you know, ten years ago. 
um, nobody was particularly vocally supportive of gay marriage. And today, a career can be, if not ended, then assailed when, as with one example I give in the book, mm -hmm. it's discovered that 10 years ago you weren't on board with gay marriage and now you can be cancelled for not having it right when nobody had it right. Right. So if you're in that world and you're young and you're looking to, you know, to find your way, why wouldn't you be this sort of timorous, tremulous, you know, fearful person? Of course you would, because the world is totally unforgiving and can destroy you in a nanosecond. Yeah. And you make this great point up front in the book. And it's something that, um, uh, you know, I think Sam Harris has mentioned and Scott Adams has mentioned. The big problem right now is instead of taking people at face value, every there's this belief that we can now read everybody's minds and find the mm -hmm. darkest motives in, in any word. And so any even if you don't mean it, even like jokes don't matter anymore. A joke is a literal thing now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, we, we have cases like the, um, the executive at Netflix mm -hmm. who used the N word in a meeting uh, to discuss words which shouldn't be used. Right. And was then reported for the use of the word as if as if he had actually gone off on a racist rant. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, he's immediately fired by Netflix for this. This isn't uncommon. Um, this is why I wanted to write this book. I, we need to expose what is actually going on, mm -hmm. the fact that we have become utterly incapable of talking about very significant issues in our lives. And I'm trying to lay the path out for what would be a reasonable way to discuss really tricky, undeniably tricky, but vitally issues mm -hmm. well it's interesting you you uh you hinted on this before and it's it's a big point that all uh, a lot of the major areas of contention around, around the world are better if you look at like climate uh gender race the economy poverty yet the activists the better it is the louder and angrier the activist becomes to a point where a colorblind society is now seen as racist and i that it was just an amazing point that you made in the book that now when Martin Luther King talked about the goal of a colorblind society, modern activists now see colorblindness as actually the sign of being racist. Yes, uh, like absolutely everything else. Yes. I mean, this is the problem. The Yeah, I say in the race chapter in this book that, you know, we, we, we go from what half a century ago was one of the most beautiful ideals that humankind has ever come up with. When Martin Luther King talks about this, this day that he dreams of, when the color of somebody's skin will not matter, what will matter is the content of their character. And I describe that on that issue and on all of the others I address in the book, I say it's it's been like in my lifetime watching a train looking like it was about to draw into the desired destination. And mm. suddenly, just as it was, it gets a head of steam, goes shooting off down the track, off the track and starts scattering people in its wake. Mm -hmm. You know. We were nearly there. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying that 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 that, that there was no racism or no um, sexism in the past, but that these things were in the process of getting sorted out. And as it looked like they were, we suddenly get the re-weaponization of each of these things so that, uh, as I say in the race chapter of this book, so that you get professors of whiteness studies, if you know people can believe there's such a thing, mm -hmm. people, professors of whiteness studies, which is set up to attack white people, and uh, what harm could come from that, we wonder. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, this, and, and the professor says at uh, Boston University a few months ago that actually uh, uh, judging people by the uh, content of their character and not by their skin color is problematic. Yes. So it's taken half a century to completely reverse 
worse, the dream of Martin Luther King. Yeah, and, and I love the phrase problematic because it, 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 it lets everybody off the hook who says it. You don't really have to explain mm. whether it's wrong or right. Problematic is yes. all you need to say. The thing – and you, there's a parallel to this when you talk about um, trans – that, okay, so you have – in one sense, you have people saying, okay, colorblind is now racist. You have male, male to female trans basically shutting down the radical feminists when it comes right. to like uh, the modern the mo- modern women's rights movement. It seems like a parallel to what you just talked about with race. Well, it is. I mean w- w- what I say is because I'm trying to uh, identify the specifics and the underlying causes for the right. sort of dementing manner in our time. Mm-hmm. One of the underlying causes is that we keep on trying to run several programs simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we are being invited – uh, in, in society at the present, in the media, in academia, and in, in almost all the popular discussion, we are being invited, for instance, to believe that being trans, and I look at this in real detail, and I'm, I'm as careful and reasonable as I think you can be on this, but I, I show how people are being told that being trans is a hardware issue. You know, mm-hmm. people don't choose it, right. that they just are trans, they just are in the wrong body, something which has no medical support, but, you know, it's worth weighing up as a rights claim, obviously. Right. But then at the same time, for instance, we're being told that being a woman is a matter of choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you just choose to be a woman. As Judith Butler of Berkeley says, it's a sort of performative thing. As if if you or I perform being a woman for long enough, we magically become one. Well, you, it's not going to happen. And uh, and, you, and you can run you can run one of these programs possibly uh, whilst being only sort of deluded. But you can't run both without fundamentally dementing yourself and your society. Yeah, it's basically how can you be fluid when you're fixed? Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's uh, and that's where the impasse is with feminism and and trans and trans activism is that. So wait a minute. You're. From your point of view, you are fixed, even though you're fluid. But I was born a woman, but that's actually not real. It, it, and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's, it's, it under, it actually undermines not just women, uh, the the feminist movement, but also the gay, the gay, the gay yes. rights movement. Because you, exactly. if you are, if you are a, a young man, teenager with, uh, with let's say affectations, whatever you want to call it, that would be an argument to then have a sex change from the right. perspective. Of uh, of a trans activist or the 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 doctor that you uh, that you kind of examine closely in your book. Exactly. You see exactly. So this is the thing. You see the the, the, the ugliest word in the language, intersectionalism, mm-hmm. has become one of the prevailing ideas of our time. I, I I take it seriously. We didn't take it seriously for years because a lot of us didn't realize what was going on. We hadn't looked at the real scope and ambition of this movement whilst it sort of bubbled away at American liberal arts colleges. But when it broke out in recent years, and I think it's in the last decade in particular, and then weaponized in the last five years, uh, what you see from this is that intersectionality, intersectionalism claims that and is trying to persuade the next generation to believe that mm-hmm. all we live in an oppressive society, uniquely oppressive society, and all of the oppressive natures of society are interlocked. And if we can unlock them, we will unlock them all at the same time. So that, for instance, uh, gay rights is totally locked in with women's rights, is locked in with all ethnic minority rights, is locked in with trans rights and so on. And one of the things I try to show in carefully picking this claim apart is that this is a lie. It is demonstrably a lie because, as you just alluded to, trans runs against women, 
trans also runs fundamentally against gay. These things do not interlock and unlock together. They simply mutually derange. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, you have some great lines in the book that I, you know, it's like one of the one of the things that you said, which is kind of chilling to me because I've always felt that it's happening is that America is the campus now. So oh, it's, yeah. it's these beliefs, ideologies, intersectionality, uh, the, the social justice warrior stuff is now spreading. And I think, I mean, where it's where it's going is human resources. And you make yes. a, you make a great point where you say work is no longer a system based on trust. You know, people trust you to come in at the right time and you get trust. You trust your employer to pay you and treat you with respect. If that's all work is. But now that system is being replaced by a system based on power. So it's all right. political. And it, oddly, ironically, it's dehumanizing. I, I always I call human resources the dehuman resources. But I it, right. it, it, but it, it's it's like now they have to they have to cover their their butts by agreeing yes. with this terminology. Well, there are companies I've looked at whilst researching this book where human resources is basically the only department that's growing. Yes. Uh, and there's a reason for this. I mean, again, one of the, there have been some people as as this book in the in the days since this book's come out who've said, I don't know, I don't see this. And I've tried to work out who they are. And largely they are people who are self-employed. Right. Because <laughs> if you if you work in a workplace in the modern West today, mm -hmm. if you work for government in the modern West, all of this is coming your way and is flooding across your path. And everybody knows this from things like commitments to diversity, mm -hmm. uh, from um, uh, from trying to diversify the workplace and so on. Because, and, and here's the thing. All of this is based and I went to the roots of this. All of this is based on non-scholarship. Right. And uh, and something that hasn't been tried. Mm -hmm. And you see, and I try to expose, you know, how much pain there is that's going to come from this if we keep leaning on this. But it, it's it's a pretty amazing thing that a, um, a system would be relied upon and would be rolled out against all major governments in the West and across all major corporations over banks, over investment funds and much more. And it's never been tried successfully anywhere. Mm -hmm. And yet we're now trying it everywhere. Yeah. And this is things like, you know, if you improve the quota of X group on your board, you will inevitably get better profits because diversity inevitably brings more money. Mm -hmm. Well, we do that at the same time as as coming out with simultaneously dementing claims. Let me give you the most obvious. Uh, either women are equal with men in every way, have the same competency and are the same, or they're worse or they're better. Right. And our society has simultaneously landed not on equal but yeah. equal and better mm -hmm. the same and better so christine lagarde of the imf r claims repeatedly in recent years that if layman brothers had been layman sisters the financial mm. crash might not have happened right so here's the thing are women just better at it in which case we ought to put we ought to take men off every board everywhere and just 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 make them unemployed because they do damage yeah <laughs> uh, um are women just better at this? You know, it, it seems to me to be a dementing claim. Yet claims like that are made all the time. Yeah, it's um, and it, identity now is an, an ideology, and it. But ultimately, it seems like it's going to end up creating just not you know you can't unify with this belief. It's it's separating, no. and um, I you know I I can't say what company this is, but they had an HR class in which 
they actually referred to, uh, I guess, the straights there as cisgender, which is a phrase that is born. And I was thinking to myself, if I was referred to as cisgender, could I argue that that is a slur? Because right. I mean, like, if I like, if I asked them to define it, and they said, "Oh, it's just a phrase we use to describe uh, straight people," it's like, "But why, 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 why don't you just say heterosexual? Why is it cisgender?" I, right. I wonder. It seems like embedded in a lot of this terminology is a negative, is kind of a negative well, shade it, thrown yes. at everybody. <laughs> of course, well, like the negative shade which is now now thrown on the term white when yeah. it's used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. white tears and mm-hmm. so on. Um, mm-hmm. Now, now there's there's a there's a story about this I give in the book uh, of somebody of my acquaintance who uh, was recruited to a a, a large uh, government funded body in the UK. Mm-hmm. He happens to be he's very very smart, very successful already. Happens to be of an ethnic minority. He joins the uh, organization. He's got a very very nice six figure pay salary. Uh, he's asked uh, after his first uh, few weeks. He, he's asked if he wouldn't mind taking a raise. Yes. And he asks and he asks <laughs> why. And he said and, and and they say well. It turns out we're doing the we've been doing the end of year pay uh, differential appraisals, and we're trying to work out whether we pay women the same amount, not for the same job, but in, a, across the whole organisation, mm-hmm. whether women and men are equally provided for. And we're also trying to do our pay differentials for ethnic minorities, and we've discovered that we're slightly under this year, mm-hmm. and so we wonder if we could pay you more, you could take the money, and then we'll be over. <laughs> and he's he's a clever guy, so yeah. of course he's. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll take one for the team, sure. Um, but, but, but that's the sort of thing you do at the time when we were hoping we would get past this stuff and become basically blind to these differences. Everything is becoming about the differences. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, um, I, I don't want you to retell this whole story, but I, people will probably be... F- Remember the Halloween chaos? I think it was on at, at Yale. Uh, there was yeah. an email in which uh, some administrators had said, "Look, you know, what's the big deal? Why are people upset about Halloween costumes?" And these students went crazy and were and and basically ran uh, a few people off the campus. Uh, I, I know that I'm basically summarizing this, and it may not be totally accurate. But what I, my, the reason why I'm at, I, I'm bringing this up is. Should somebody do a follow up on these students? Like, where are they now? Do they Mm. enter the real world? Are they successful in the real world? Do they ever actually enter the real world? Or when you if you are one of these students that cannot handle a Halloween costume and are literally, you know, you you always see on Twitter the I'm shaking. Somebody will always write I'm shaking. Mm. That's their phony outrage. Oh, I'm shaking. It's like, no, you're not. If you are, you can't. So I'm always like. It would be a great follow-up to get find out where do all these people from Evergreen or Yale yeah. where do they actually or do they end up in human resources? 
Well, I, I'm fairly <laughs> confident they do end up in re human resources because otherwise they're unemployable in yes. this world. Yes. I mean, I'm, you know, one of the one of the things I think that has to be done because I mean, I'm very keen to to help lead younger people in particular out of this. Yeah, because it, they're going to find it's a very unrewarding zero sum way to live their lives, True. and it can't bring them the happiness that they legitimately seek. So one of the problems about this is, of course, is that they have to be encouraged to realize uh, that. Uh, that 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 life itself is inherently problematic. Yes, you know. Yeah, it has an end. Mm. Everyone we love dies. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it, the whole setup is very bad from the point of view <laughs> yeah. of comfort. Right. Um, and so, if you face if you face the reality of life, you can you can deal with its terrors mm -hmm. if you if you pretend that the terrors can all be solved even the smallest ones like whether or not somebody's worn the wrong halloween costume near you once at your incredibly privileged liberal arts college uh, if, if 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 you can't deal with that it, and you're told you can pretend that you can will away anything that's problematic to you you're not going to be able to live in this world mm -hmm. yeah it's uh I believe now that human resources is created purposely for them to get jobs because I can't yeah. see because I don't I mean, there's no place you can work. There's no place you can work with this kind of hypersensitivity. Speaking of hypersensitivity, or maybe it's just being phony. Yes. I worked in men's. I worked in a men's. A lot of this is that. Yeah. Yes. Because you bring up you you quote stuff from uh, I think from Esquire and from GQ. I worked in men's magazine for men's magazines for years, and I. I'm amazed at how men's magazines completely like uh, are, are are submissive to any type of I don't know changing trend, and I I, yes. I, I believe, and I, you also what, really shocking is how much Vice has changed. If you remember, oh, yeah. Vice from the '90s was like we're gonna literally screw everything. This is like it's like, life is great. Let's do drugs. Let's now it's like they've turned into the nosy neighbor. That is yeah. judging everything. Like, remember, Vice was like that radical kid who right. partied is now the shrill. Uh, there should be there should be a law created. John O'Sullivan's famous law that every organization that isn't explicitly conservative always drifts left. Yeah, uh, th there should be a version of this now that every organization that isn't explicitly set up to run against this stuff will become woke. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's media organizations and a, a lot it's almost everything but 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 one of the things that's worth noting here is this is a form of cowardice in the right. society this is because there are a lot of people who are cowardly refuse to stand up and they are are right in one way because they see people tripping these nicking these trip wires right. as i describe it and we all know them we see them you know the nobel prize winning scientist professor tim hunt makes one joke about men and women falling in love mm -hmm. in the lab in a conference in seoul in south korea it's not like it was on prime time somewhere and and he makes this joke by the time he lands back in his home country of the uk he's fired from every single one of his jobs and now when that happens we focus on the victim from nanosecond but we don't focus on the deterrent effect that has on everyone else mm -hmm. which is to say to everybody else you're not going to be able to open your mouth or think aloud in this era without potentially being toast being cancelled any moment and you know th that's one of the things that has to be it has to be uh, run up against particularly because if i can say this particularly because 
there is a type of I, I hate the privilege game and I run against it in the book. But let's pay, pay the privilege game for a moment. These people who run these magazines like Esquire and GQ and things who've become all woke. They can afford to be in one way because they're very privileged. They've got assets, most mm -hmm. of them. They're in a position to have worked the game out. They've worked out how to be a cuttlefish in this era, right. era as I describe it, how to pretend to be this rather sort of feminized, uh, um, compliant, pliant, woke, whatever the girls are saying person, because that's the way that they get the girls. Mm -hmm. But a lot of younger, and I ha hate to say it, less privileged people, in including people who aren't as incredibly super intelligent and have their antennae in the right places as these kind of guys do, it takes a while to work out what's actually going on and that the thing they're being told to do and behave like is totally phony and run by frauds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think the answer at some point is going to be mutually assured cancellation. That's the I think you <laughs> I think you mentioned it kind of in your book uh, about forgiveness. We have you got to forgive because someday you're going to need that forgiveness. And I, I operate on that. And, and because, I you know, it's so true. People are terrified of being the next canceled person i i i, I gotta run and i want to ask you is this going to get better or worse do you i mean do you see what do you see this this um i don't know what you would call it this kind of strange movement uh going well you know uh, when i was researching this book and i've been at it for a while uh, um a friend of mine who used to be in the military described to me this uh, weapon system that the uk and american military have and it's called the great viper in the uk and it's a it's a thing you pull behind a truck to the edge of a minefield you fire this missile over the minefield and it has a long tail behind it that's filled with explosives when it lays across the minefield it all detonates in one go mm -hmm. and this was on my mind because this device cannot destroy all the mines. It cannot clear the entire minefield, but it can make a path for other people to cross. Nice. And in taking on each of these issues, gay, trans, women, race in this book, I've explicitly said what I want to do is to make it safer for other people to cross this minefield. And my view is that if we live in an era where no one can speak, everyone's in the terror of being cancelled, then those few of us who actually aren't vulnerable to that i mean we're vulnerable but not to that we if we have no wobbly hierarchy above us that can that can just ditch us at any moment then we have a duty to speak and say look we're not trying to shock we're not trying to upset but we are trying to think about matters that are serious and will matter to us and to the next generation and we reserve the right to do that and those of us who can do it will do it and we'll keep on doing it and in the hope that it encourages other people to speak the truth as well. Yeah, you know, and you make a good point of this. Uh, it's a great analogy. Uh, and it, what happens to – see, people like that, the people that can that can create the path, have to be – cannot have an infrastructure above them. No. They cannot be They cannot be fired from anything because they will be fired. And you, met, you mentioned like Kanye West, Jermaine Greer, Peter Thiel. Is it Thiel yes. or Teal? Teal. Teal, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, these are all people that – have been written off by their own so-called groups yes. because yes. they – but they don't care. <laughs> so what they're yes. doing is they are – I mean I always look at Kanye West as somebody who's trying to blaze a path for other people. And, right. and he's I've, – I've talked to people who just mock him for this. And I'm yes. going like that's – but he's OK with it. It's a, it's a very Christ – I remember he got mocked for kind of comparing himself to Christ. But it is a Christ-like thing to decide to blaze a path knowing that you will lose everybody who respected you or admired you or wanted to sleep with you they now see you as something 
evil. And it's like that's a that's a pretty Christ-like thing to do. And you're well, doing it right now with this book. You're going to get a lot of crap, right? Or you well, already, you already were. I have, I've uh, I, uh, my last book was on immigration and yeah. Islam, so I'm kind of immune to the crap. <laughs> yes, right yes, now. yeah. Kind of... <laughs> that is true. But uh, um, I uh, I thought the the book was a great read. I hope you get over to the states at some point so, so you can do, do my show. Uh, you'll, love you'll have a lot. You'll have a lot of fun. Well, thank you, Douglas. The book is The Madness of Crowds. Douglas Murray. I, I uh, encourage everybody to pick it up. Thanks, Douglas. Great pleasure. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.